The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. The last part that we want to talk about today is haptics. Um, like I said, we're going to leave out the visual modality because it's pretty obvious. Um, but haptics is actually very interesting. It comes from the word haptistai, to touch, Greek. And there's two main types of uh, haptic input that your skin receives. One is what you get when you touch a surface lightly. So your skin nerves are active in that case. Uh, you get a stimulus, for example, vibration or the slip over a surface or pain or heat or slight pressure. These things are mostly being picked up by your nerve endings, if you like, in your, in your skin. And then there is a different kind of feedback, which is kinesthesia, which is stimulated by bodily movement. For example, if a system moves your arm, then that is something that you can actually feel using your muscle and, and, uh, and, and bone structure. Uh, it's detected in your muscles, in your tendons, in your joints. Of course, also maybe even a little more dangerous if you know, it goes wrong, it could break your arm. The two things are combined in haptic force feedback. Um, it's basically the, the fundamental principle of haptic force feedback is we have a model in the computer of some synthetic reality, some virtuality, and we render that virtuality as haptics for the user to detect. One thing is really weird about haptics, and that is that it's always a two-way lane. Visual output comes from the computer to me clearly one way. Audio, same thing, you know, output or input, it's very clear. Haptics, when I am, when something is, when I'm touching something and it has haptic feedback, it touches back, if you like, right? So there's always a, uh, a blurred line between me touching an object and the object creating force feedback, um, feeding back to me. So even a haptic device that actively can create movement will also have a passive component. For example, um, this thing does not have active force feedback, but tr still, if I press a button on here uh, to press it, I have to exert a certain force, and I can feel that force in my skin and in my muscle system, uh, so I can detect that I'm currently pressing that button. Right? So that's already passive haptic feedback. Here's an example. Um, this is, by, by the way, based on, on Karen McLean's material from, from UBC, great haptics researcher. Um, you could have a knob uh, that you turn, and the simplest version of that is it's just a mechanical knob. It has a certain built-in notch, for example, to turn in certain like 30-degree increments. Okay, so that's already haptic feedback, you could say, but no electronics, no smarts involved at all. You could then create a system where you turn that knob and a motor simulates the resistance to turning. Right? So as I try to turn it right, I can turn it really easily or I can turn it a little harder. That will feel to me like passive feedback because the system is just putting up resistance against my movement. It's not moving by itself. And then finally, of course, the system could actually, while I hold the knob, it could turn the knob to show me a new setting. Right? Create active feedback. So these things are a little tricky to tease apart, and, and uh, I want to talk about some of the effects here. A lot of the feedback that you will get in haptics is multimodal. So typically, uh, it's used in addition to visual and audio. Because, as we already said with audio, 
we like to have multiple stimuli influence each other. We're going to look at a couple examples here for haptics, but I think we should take a, another sort of three-minute break. How can you use haptics? Um, on the desktop, these things are often called haptic user interfaces or, or HUIs in a sort of association to, to graphical user interfaces. And you can do a couple different things. If you think about the most basic way you could use haptic feedback on a you know, mouse and keyboard uh, interface, uh, that would be rendering the GUI itself. So I got windows and icons on my desktop. I could make them have actual ridges and, and sort of profiles. And when I go over a window, I would feel a little bump right, over, uh, on the edge of the window so that I could actually close my eyes and explore that space using my mouse, moving it around, and get a sense of where things are. And that's possible, uh, fairly easy to do. You could use force feedback, you could use tactile feedback either way. Um, what's a little more, you could use different textures, for example, the window background, the white window background could feel different from their desktop background. Uh, what's a little more ambitious is to actually uh, design a GUI from scratch with haptics in mind. So not just use the existing graphics interface and, and kind of like paint it on haptics, but actually go uh, a little deeper. You know, what are actually useful things that GUIs could do to help you with haptics? Um, and of course, moving beyond the desktop into the mobile and, and, and wearable realm is, is really exciting. We have a vest outside, for example, on the, on, you may have seen it on the hallway here, uh, the haptic vest, uh, which we showed at Interactivity at Kai this year, which will take a picture from a Kinect from a depth camera and will render it onto 128 vibration motors that you're wearing here on your chest. So you can close your eyes and you can actually feel the space in front of you. So you can close your eyes, walk around, and you won't bump into stuff anymore because as I approach an object, it will actually start buzzing here. Uh, it's a really cool system, and uh, I think it has great potential for, for blind people. Um, and so those are the things that I think are, are more challenging and more interesting than just making uh, bumpy window edges. A couple of other examples from medical applications. Um, one thing that is really hard in, in medical education is to learn how tissue feels, how you, how you make a diagnosis based on what you're feeling in a, uh, from a patient, for example, you know, sore muscles or swellings or, or lumps that you feel in their, in, their, in their body or just feeling the pulse, really, all these things. When doctors examine patients, a lot of the feedback they get is a haptic nature. And if you want to train that, uh, you can either use real patients or you could try to build systems that simulate that haptic impact. So that's one application that makes sense. Another one that makes sense is uh, sort of remote surgery. Right? If I operate somebody who is physically somewhere else, and that's not a, a sci-fi story here, this is being done, uh, the telesurgery, because sometimes the, the world's best expert is not there where he needs to be right now, so the telesurgery is a great option. Um, but if you do that, then you need to provide the feedback of the instruments that are being controlled by the, uh, by the surgeon, uh, surgeon to the surgeon himself. Right? So I move my pliers around uh, by actually manipulating some kind of electronic controller. At your end, the pliers actually move, but they hit some kind of you know, tissue. I can see that on a, on, a, on a camera link, but I also need to feel what, what kind of tissue I'm touching. And that needs to be rendered then on my 
input device, if you like, as force feedback to make it also an output device. Another example is uh, rehabilitation. Um, for example, uh, having systems that will use force feedback to retrain motor movement to people. So, um, for example, if you have to teach a, a patient how to um, move their arm again, uh, there are systems out there that will first basically take your arm and move it using a robot arm, and then gradually they will reduce the force and let you do part of the job until you do it by yourself and the system just guides you along. Or another example is this uh, exoskeleton here, this walking aid that is actually um, moving based on you know, what kind of patterns your leg needs to, to make successful steps. So these definitely create uh, kinesthetic feedback because they really move your, your um, body uh, parts around and, and, and give you a kinesthetic input that way. Then there's of course entertainment, right? Um, there's force feedback joysticks like this one from Logitech, uh, from Logitech or uh, the Falcon, which is a device that will give you uh, sort of 3D feedback, uh, force feedback in, in all three dimensions. There's of course a lot of cost pressure, cost pressure on these things, um, but uh, so for home games especially, but in, in arcade setups, uh, these things are turning into uh, a must-have modality when you're trying to do any kind of VR effect. Right? So these days, um, when you see sort of VR arcades that are trying to give you full body uh, uh, virtual reality simulations, they will usually also have some part of, of force feedback in there. Not just vibration, which is very easy, but also actual physical uh, pushing. We don't know what, what's coming next. Um, so uh, there could be, for example, uh, a keyboard, a musical keyboard, that has force feedback built into every single key. And I could simulate the feel of an organ versus a piano versus uh, uh, an upright uh, piano or um, different kinds of models uh, just based on the rendering of the physical effects in the keys. And then, of course, mobile, etc., has lots of applications for this. Uh, your cell phone has a vibrating motor in this. That's force feedback of a particular kind, right? It's haptic, haptic feedback that you only sense. And it has these great advantages that only you can sense it and not nobody else. Um, the original controller uh, on the BMW also um, had, um, and, and had force feedback built in. And uh, there's an interesting thesis that I was uh, co-advising here a couple of years ago that looked at this uh, user interface of, of the original iDrive, which has gotten much better by now. Um, 10 years ago, Forbes was predicting that uh, haptics are one of those 10 things that will significantly change our lives in the decades to come. So I think there's a lot of potential still for haptics and force feedback to make it into our, our lives. And we're seeing this in small steps, things like you know, the force touch on, on smartphones or uh, the vibration motors that we have or the the feedback that you get on an Android when you tap a key and it, it briefly shakes the entire key to give you a feeling that you're touching something physical. I want to show you a little bit more uh, advanced research here. Fabian Hemmert, um, a, a, a young uh, faculty, has done this work during his PhD days. And it's a mobile phone that changes, uh, whose button here on the side actually changes its shape. So what does that mean? It's not just an input device as a button, but it's also an output device. 
For example, when that button sticks out, there inside that red circle there, then that means that you may have a missed call or, or a voicemail waiting for you. Uh, and when you touch the button, you actually see who called, but you only touch it. When you then press down, uh, you can play the voicemail. And you're not just playing it by holding down the button at one level, but you can actually press further and further to scroll through the message. So the, the more you press in, the further the message uh, advances with all the challenges, of course, you know, how do you make sure that you can still understand it because you're not pressing at an equal rate and so on. Um, or if you uh, want to, dis uh, when you press afterwards and you press longer, it may actually dial the number of the, uh, of the call that you missed. So there's all kinds of interesting uh, effects here. I'll show you a video from uh, the Kai 2008 uh, DVD. We, we cut it down to just show you the key interactions here. So that's just slightly touching and then touching a little harder and then the, this thing pops out again. And you can see how it comes out when there's a new message to sort of look at. So this thing isn't just elastic, right? It actually has a servo motor that can push it out actively. Okay, so some ideas here. Um, now, one thing we should uh, keep in mind is that touch haptics is a very special modality. I already talked about the two-way connection it does. Um, what else is, do you think is special about haptics compared to audio or, or visual? How would you rate haptic input compared to other kinds? Yeah the user a feedback uh, and through that feedback the user can have additional controls. So it's another modality that we can add to audio and video but that's that's true also for audio for example. Right? So I'm looking for if you if you were to design feedback in an application and you have a choice you know I'm going to give it using visual input or I'm going to use it using audio signal or I'm going to give it using haptic feedback. What would make you pick haptics? Maybe you can easily correct your input. If you, if you have speech input and you said something wrong, mm -hmm. you said, oh, fuck, I said something wrong. Yeah. And with haptics, maybe you can easily correct it. Okay, so like with this system where you, if you provide the input, you could actually correct it quickly and provide a different kind. Okay, so, but we now need to think about haptics as an output modality, right? What you were describing, comparing to speech input doesn't quite match because Haptics is really, in this example, an alternative to speed output to the computer talking to you. So I'm wondering, you know, there's a signal that you want to give to the computer. I don't know, your printer is out of paper. What would make you pick a haptic signal for that as opposed to an audio beep or a visual dialogue? Yeah? Um, it's unobtrusive like audio, but uh, not annoying to the other people. So you can design so that only you realize it so it's more private. 
Absolutely. It's very private, right? Uh, a haptic signal is something that I'm, only I feel, and, and nobody else can tell that I got the signal. That's important. At the same time, it touches my body physically, and that's actually a boundary that we are very aware of as humans. You know? Again, you know, evolutionary speaking, uh, a tiger yelling at you from you know, 100 meters away is not the same kind of problem as a tiger's paw touching your body. right? Uh, so something touching our bodies is something that we are very uh, sensitive to. You know, it doesn't mean that it's negative, but it, it has a high emotional impact. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.